pickleball mm-hmm. <laughs> is I'm declaring it. I I would guess that is the fastest growing sport in the United States. <laughs> So listeners, we just worked our way out of a dream within a dream within a dream. Hello and welcome to Movies on the Side. (laughs) You sound so excited, Nate. I'm Nate Baranowski. This is my co-host, Stephen Robles. And we are... Excited to be here. No, see, Thanks for you, you. You and Jacob tried that on the Bracket Brothers. It never goes well. It's it's hard to time it uh, across the internet. You're right, exactly. But listen, listeners, if you want to hear me silently laugh <laughs> for about five minutes straight. As I describe pickleball. <laughs> as Nate describes pickleball, patreon.com slash movies on the side. Any donation gets you access to bonus episodes every week. And more and more... The bonus episodes, they're piling up there. That's right. We're really getting a nice uh, little chunk of videos for you if you become a Patreon supporter. And by videos, Nate means audio. (laughs) Audios. (laughs) Audios. But yeah, so the bottle cap challenge, Jason, I just watched Jason Statham kick a cap off of a bottle. Roundhouse kick. Roundhouse kick. Pretty impressive. Okay. Steven, I have a couple questions for you and then a thought. Yes. Question number one. How many attempts would it take for you to be able to roundhouse kick, one, just hit the bottle with your foot, and two, to be able to kick the cap off? 357. So one day for a year. I think, yes, I think I could do it. But I think it would be, I would have a better chance if I did a 357 all in one day. Oh, okay. I got it. Like the guy who learned to do a backflip in a day. Mm. You ever see that video? No, but I think it would take me more than a day. I also... Did I ever tell you about the birthday party that was actually a karate class? No, this feels like, uh, are we going back to Patreon now? <laughs> no, 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 no. I'll leave that. For, I'll leave that for another time. You'll have to remind okay. listeners. Remind me. Talk about the karate, karate class birthday party. Okay. So here's, here's my thought. There is videos. Now I'm going to peel back the curtain here for a second. We're recording this episode a little early for when this is going to be posted. That's right. So this challenge will either be in full force Mm -hmm. and viral as all get out or Mm. no one will have (laughs) heard of this challenge because it never takes off so we're kind of like the generation that heard of it has already died and gone. yeah this is like this is like a called shot for what i hope to be in a week and a half what i hope to be viral Mm, but here's what i'd love to see and i'd love to see both of us do it and maybe our listeners could do something to help provoke us to try this. But here's what I want. What I would love is not far off the ground. I'm talking like three, two feet off the ground. We put a water bottle. Mm-hmm. What I would love is to try and record mm-hmm. us doing a roundhouse kick without ever doing a practice. I'm not sure if I've done a roundhouse kick in my whole life. <laughs> I would love to just see, could I hit a water bottle? I'm not talking take the cap off. I'm talking... Right, just kick it. And I would love for us to each record us attempting it. Okay. Under the pretense that we have never practiced doing a roundhouse kick on a bottle before, and this is our very first attempt. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is what I would love to try, because I think I may miss the water bottle altogether. But in my mind, I think, oh, I could do a roundhouse kick. I saw someone do it before. Let me ask you this. I mean, obviously... Hitting the bottle will be an achievement. Sure. But let's just let's just say we're actually shooting for the stars yeah. to get the cap off the bottle. Sure. Do you think they loosened the cap first? Oh yes, yes, yes. It okay. definitely it, it is it is said in the challenge, like loosen the cap first. Okay. Very good. I would by probably take mine like halfway off. And on top of that, I think someone holds the bottom of the bottle. In the videos, you can only see the top half, and I'm pretty sure that someone holds the bottle so that like it stays still and doesn't get knocked over when you spin the cap off. Right. Or you would need a vice. But I don't want someone to do that for us. No, no, no. Because I just, just picture one of your boys holding it and you like kicking their hand and breaking their bones because <laughs> you're a strong ninja man. Right. Yeah, no, we won't do that. But no, I'm, I'm willing to do this. I'll do this. I mean, okay. Maybe not. I mean, don't be, you don't have to be excited about it. It's fine. No, no. <laughs> I'm excited about it. Can you do a roundhouse kick? 
Well, I did at that birthday party when I was 12 years old. I'll have to <laughs> have to work on practicing it again. No, no practice. That's the thing. Oh, that's right. right. I want but practice free. I can I watch authentic. You can watch as many I can watch Chuck Jason Norris videos as you want. Okay. Exactly. Okay. Okay. Very good. All right. Well, I will watch Jason Statham several times and then attempt this myself. Perfect. I have a lot of thoughts about today's movie because this was your suggestion that you kept saying, correct me if I'm wrong, but your favorite Rachel McAdams movie. Is that accurate? Yes. Mm. Yes. Okay. Well, listeners, today we're going to talk about Morning Glory. And again, I had no context for this movie, except that you said it was great and it has Rachel McAdams. Yes. I had no idea the plot, what it was about. Nothing. I think at some point in time, I said, Harrison Ford's in this movie, and you sent back a picture of the like cover of the movie. I was like, well, he's not on the cover. Right. As if right. you doubted that he was even in it. Like, well, if Harrison Ford was going to be in it, he would certainly be on this cover. I mean, there's a lot of movies titled Godzilla. I don't know. Maybe there's several morning glories. Oh, with Rachel McAdams in it. <laughs> she starred in multiple. You never know. Like Bridget Jones. She's in multiple time travel movies. I'm just saying. Yeah, sure. She was several time travelers' wives. By the way, Harrison Ford should have absolutely been on this cover. I, I agree. I mean, he's kind of a main character. But we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about it. Yes, yes, yes. yes. A side note. Have you seen the TV show Poldark on Amazon Prime? I have seen every episode of Poldark. Do you enjoy it? Yes. Do you? We just discovered it recently. Yes. We have actually are on episode six of the first season and are really enjoying it. Oh, Steven. Maybe we oh. maybe we do an episode on Poldark. Steven, here's a listen to me. Yes. I would say it gets worse before it gets better, but it gets worse before it gets worse. Mm. Like oh. you're about to go on a your heart's about to go for a ride. Listen, there was an episode, this is totally not about Morning Glory. We're talking about the show Pole Dark, but there was an episode, I think it was episode four. No spoilers. Well, this is kind of a spoiler, but they strike copper. This is the fourth episode of the first season. This is very early on. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And they, he, he just married the maid and they strike copper in the mine and the episode ends very jovially. Mm -hmm. And I told my wife, I don't know if I want to watch any more of the show because if we end right now, it's going to feel great. Oh, correct. You should have stopped right there. <laughs> it ends on a super high note. And I, I said, I don't know. Maybe we should switch to Downton Abbey or something and watch something similar, but not watch this because this, this was a good ending just right here. Yep. But then we watched, we watched two more episodes and it's- Don't say anything. Yeah. It's not getting better. It's not getting better. Steven, it, I think they've had three seasons of it. Yes. It's really, it's really, really good. I recommend it to anyone who wants to watch it, but- I like to have a palate cleanser ready for after. That is exactly what I did. Different than my normal palate cleanser. A fail videos. <laughs> I, I haven't been doing that. I've been doing an episode of Jeopardy. Ooh. After Poldark. Because uh, Hulu has some old championship episodes. No, they're pretty fun. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> okay. We're here to talk about Morning Glory starring Rachel McAdams. This movie is a first for us, I think where the Rotten Tomatoes critic score is higher than the audience score. Right. 55 critic score, not high, but higher than the audience score of 51. A full 50% of people don't like this movie, Nate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. One out of every two. That would statistically one out of every, mean... Yeah, the, uh, one of the people on this podca podcast <laughs> loves it, and one people, one people's, that is used. Definitely. Keeping it all that. You made me keep in uh, Arthur versus Alfred last episode. I'm keeping all that in. <laughs> Perfect. Keeping all that in. I fully intended to enjoy this movie very much. I will suspend my final thoughts on it. No, 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 no. Well, here's the thing. I, I'm proposing just a little bit something different. I don't want you to rate it, but I do mm -hmm. want you to kind of tip your hand because there are certain movies that I am ready to like, as a public defender, I'm ready to like go to bat for. So I need to know how much I, because like, as I said in a previous episode, I'm here as an ambassador for this movie. <laughs> and I want to try to convince you that this is actually a good movie. So I need to know kind of where we're, where we're coming from here. It mostly won me over by the end, but it made me jump through a lot of hoops to get there. Let me say that. Okay. First of all, the amount of cheesy lens flare effects that I learned how to do in After Effects 10 years ago... <laughs> 
the entire opening credits had a lens flare on every name that turned me off initially. Okay. When, and when, when was this movie created? Well, see, now here's, what, here's my other thing. It supposedly takes place in 2010. That is supposedly when the movie is taking place. And it is, oh, that's when the movie was made also. Okay. It was released in 2010, supposedly takes place in 2010. Got it. I have several problems with that alone because this feels like a 90s movie. Sure. In the look, in the look, the feel, the tempo. The flavor, absolutely. Yeah, it feels like a 90s movie, looks like a 90s. They talk about blackberries way too much for it to be 2010. Blackberries were on their way out. That really gets you. It really gets, takes me out. Older tech in a movie that, yeah. It does. It's like someone making a movie today and having like an old MacBook and you're like, hold on a second. I don't, I don't like it. I don't like it. But anyway, I don't think we need to talk about a lot of the plots or specifics. And basically she is a morning show executive producer. She gets fired at the beginning of the movie, takes a job in New York City for a really low performing TV show. And the whole movie is her trying to bring up the cast and crew of this morning show so it gets better ratings and successful and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, a couple things. I love Jeff Goldblum from the moment he's on screen. Absolutely. I knew you would. Uh, so you're a fan of our morning program? Oh, yeah. I think it has so many Yeah, um, yeah. We know it's terrible. And... Perpetually in fourth place behind the Today Show, Good Morning America, and that thing on CBS, whatever it's called. It's a source of constant humiliation. Last year in the Network Softball League, the CBS team wore hats that said, at least we're not daybreak. Yeah, Jeff, Jeff Goldblum is great. Rachel McAdams, I really like her from all the movies we have seen thus far. Uh-huh. And this one made me like not like her as much from the beginning. I don't know. Like her personality seems so different from all the other movies I've seen her in. Like I understand the character she's playing. Uh-huh. But it's it's not as lovable for me sure. in in this movie. It it takes I had to kind of come around to her as a character. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know what it was about it. I was I really like the character she plays from the beginning. When she goes on that date early on and she's just kind of talking the whole time and picking up or like looking at her phone all the time, it is the, yeah, it is the flawed, like my work is my life sort of character. But I also feel like sorry for her in a way. She's kind of bumbly. As she says later, she bungles things. That's what she does. And I thought it seemed so promising. So um, I bungled it because that's what I do. I bungle things. I bungle and I ramble. And that's kind of like what I'm doing right now, talking about it. Maybe here was my issue. So that first scene, she's a little annoying to me because she is being super rude with the phone. And like, I get it. Yeah. I get what she's yeah. doing. Yeah. And she is bumbling. But again, of everything that we hear from her first job, her coworkers and her, they're all like, you're going to become the new executive producer because everyone knows you do a great job. Did you not like that scene? They get her the, the shirt. I accept. <laughs> I accept. Yeah. And then when she's like, when she gets fired there, I felt that, and all her friends yeah. are helping her load up her stuff, and they're all wearing yes. like the yes Becky or something like you did it Becky. Yes, I felt I felt for her there. I felt that that was emotional. Her mom being a jerk about like, hey, listen, you're like, you know, <laughs> it's you've my tried fault. This far. I let your dad believe in you too much or something. <laughs> yeah, like the- she says the line like, at eighteen, your dreams were adorable. At twenty eight, right. they were like like aspirational or pathetic or so- I don't know. Ins- inspirational inspirational maybe and like at 30 i'm just hoping like you stop before it gets to heartbreaking or something it's that line that i butchered but and so all of that initial setup where she gets fired but we know she does a good job her friends really like her like i wanted her to succeed like at the movie achieves yeah she's she's calling and like sending people resumes and right i will say the soundtrack of morning glory is one of my favorites mm. I think I think the soundtrack is excellent, and one of the early songs is "Free Me" by Joss Stone. Okay, um, <laughs> and here's a small clip of it. You're giving me a lot of work here. You're making me you're find all these clips. <laughs> Okay. This is called this is called edit bullying. This yeah, that's what I'm doing right that's now. That's exactly what you're doing. No, you don't have to play the clip, but like anyone who wants to look up the Morning Glory soundtrack because it has some great Joss Stone um songs. It has the new shoes. I put the new shoes on. 
Michael Hell Bublé yeah, stuck yeah. in the middle with you. Mm-hmm. It's got a it's got a Colby Calais back at the peak of her powers. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Got Natasha Bedingfield in there. Sure. Isn't it ironic? That's not her. But anyway. nope. That's Elenis Morissette. Elenis. <laughs> Elenis. Elenis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's Elenis. Anyway, <laughs> I wanted to. It's her sister, Elenis. Yeah. Okay, so she gets an interview at the network IBS made up TV network with the show. What's it called? Day Star. Daybreak. Day. Daybreak. A fun fact: that building that the IBS building is supposedly in, it's right across from Bryant Park in New York City. And when I worked in Manhattan, I walked by that building every day. Oh, really? I walked from Grand Central Station to Times Square, and I walked by that exact building every day. So that seeing that building on screen, it drew me back in a little bit. I said, okay, mm. I'll get over the lens flares. Okay. Let me, uh, let me give this movie a chance. So anyway, she gets hired. The lens hired. flare and the technology. Yes, right. she gets hired. So she gets hired at this place, and there is this first meeting where she sits down with the whole casting, the anchors and the crew and everyone. Like that one guy is telling her, which I like that one guy. What is that one guy's name? The uh, was the assistant producer? Oh, yeah. I don't know. He's, he's great. He's just kind yeah, of like yeah. a supportive. Yeah, that assistant producer is great. But he's basically telling her, like, listen, everybody hates it here. The anchors hate each other. Like, you'll never win them over, whatever. And then there's this first planning meeting where all these people are yelling ideas at her for stories uh-huh. Uh-huh. and asking her questions that she should not know the answer to. And the whole time, like you feel it building and she is frazzled. And I was so badly wanting for her to just answer every one of their questions above and beyond what they could expect and blow them away. And she does. <laughs> Rewarding. In that moment, I was like, okay, I like you, Rachel McAdams. Like, this is a cool moment. You got me here. Tell Rocco if he insists on making lasagna, he will be bumped. Yes, all size models, but skirts not too short. Toxins? Who said that? Yeah, they can't be measured. And rejuvenization? Not a word. Tell Longoria's people that she can't plug her next film unless we get her within a week of GMA. Parakeet. Ernie? Weathercock? Seriously? The Plaza for Squash. I want Patrick Dempsey. Tell his people we'll run him in the first hour and he can talk about whatever his thing is. Tampa Bay, definitely local talent. And we've got to fix that soundboard. Find that 10 grand in the budget somewhere. The hair and makeup numbers, those were too high. So Colleen, could you share your hair person oh, with Lisa on her days? I'd That'd like to great. talk great. to you about Okay, that. Asian baby, no teeth. Did I miss anything? Oh, no. <laughs> oh Paul, uh, you're fired. You're adorable. Fired! And then immediately fires the real creepy anchor guy. That was great too. Like awesome. Right. Like, yeah, she's being assertive. Like she's doing what she needs to do. And there's also the little details that I, that I think they do get well, like the doorknobs. When she first goes to the basement to see the set, all the doorknobs are broken mm-hmm. and everyone is frustrated by them. Anchors, cast, whatever. Diane Keaton is there. And later in the movie, we do see that the doorknobs are getting fixed and it's just a little moment that, you know, they don't sit on it, but I liked those details and that's, kind of good leadership qualities like she's fixing the annoyances yep. for everybody so I, I liked those little i like those little mm-hmm. things for sure she fires the anchor and needs to get another and but she doesn't have any money to do it and she finds out harrison ford's character <laughs> mike pomeroy i love this movie so much is being paid millions of dollars by this station and is doing nothing because of his contract whatever yes and so he, he go, she goes to him hunting out in the woods and tries to convince him to be an anchor on the show Harrison Ford is extremely ornery in this movie. <laughs> Why are you here? <laughs> Go away. And I said, okay, I understand this dynamic. I do love when he does show up on set for the morning show and he has this like mini mo- monologue <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> to Rachel McAdams. <laughs> he says something like all these amazing things he's done because he's been like decades long straight yes. newscaster and he's I like put a warm cloth <laughs> on the forehead of mother Teresa during the cholera outbreak <laughs> that's the exact line i was i remember like that was great i loved all of that and then he said like i had lunch with dick cheney <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> i i liked that moment that monologue was great I was shot through the forearm in Bosnia. Pulled Colin Powell from a burning jeep. I laid a cool washcloth on Mother Teresa's forehead during a cholera epidemic. I had lunch with Dick Cheney. You're here for the money. That is correct. 
I also liked all the production scenes. Like, that was fine. Let me ask you now, because I'd like to hear your opinion on something. I want to jump to Romance Corner. Mm-hmm. What did you think about Rachel McAdams and that other guy? I don't even know his name. But the other guy that works the TV station. Yep. I can honestly say that they are the worst part of this movie. Mm-hmm. Yes. Bit of a soapbox at the moment. I think if this movie were made in 2019, I don't think they would necessarily have the romance started between her and I am desperately looking through IMDb right now to find his either his actor name or Patrick Wilson, who plays Adam Bennett. There it is. Yes. Oh, he's an Aquaman, too. He's the yep, bad guy. He's the bad guy. Right. right. He's also an A-team as another bad guy. <laughs> And then a bunch of horror movies that neither you nor I have seen or will see. <laughs> Very good. I think if this movie was made today, uh, 10 years later or so, mm-hmm. I don't think they would have their relationship be get as much screen time. I, because honestly, her relationship, her friendship with Harrison Ford is 100 times more compelling than her relationship with Adam Bennett. Mm-hmm. And I think yes. because like, they wanted to fit it into that rom-com kind of, even though like I wouldn't even say this is a rom-com. This is just kind of a comedy drama-ish. It's not. Like it's a lighthearted kind of 90s comedy sort of feel. I almost feel like you could have dropped that romance. Oh, yes. And the movie would have been better for it. Oh, yes. Like I, I think it adds nothing to it. I just think there's a little bit of, maybe there was more pressure back then to like, hey, we need to have a leading guy yeah, maybe. You know, apart, you know, across from her to show like, oh, look, she's caring a little bit less about work and more about relationships sort of thing. And the fact that he's on the cover is also a travesty because I think he's sort of, he could have been played by anyone. I think he was fine, but Romance Corner didn't do anything for me. Yeah. And I think, you know, the movie I had in my mind when I was watching this was The Devil Wears Prada, where you have an extremely ornery senior person. Yep. Yep. And the younger one trying to win them over. I feel like with Devil Wears Prada, Meryl Streep's arc was so good. I think Harrison Ford's arc kind of pales in comparison. And some specific moments I'll get to about that. Okay. I, di- I disagree, but that's fine. That side romance also takes away from it. Like, I'd rather that time would have been spent on Rachel McAdams and Harrison Ford interactions. Right. And that I think may have been a better payoff in the i end. like like i think it would have been just as compelling if she became someone who like went out for drinks with her co-workers after work or like if there was a little bit more like family dynamics like her her and her mom have a little bit like she has time right. for relationships i think right. what they wanted to show is like work isn't necessarily all consuming now it's still important but it's not like doesn't run her life yeah i think that could have been done like that's all this romance was just to show like oh look there's something more important than work for example right but it didn't have to be a romantic interest it could have been friends or family or just social time pickleball (laughs) a couple things i really did like about harrison ford's character he does have some really funny lines i think the first time they're trying to put that guy on the roller coaster or something and and the assistant producer like crosses himself and harrison ford says oh the jewish guy just crossed himself so confidence is high oh that was actually a rachel mcadams line i have oh was it i've watched this movie enough to know oh my goodness well that was a funny line well the the other part the conversation with rachel mcadams and harrison ford about news versus the pop culture news sugar stuff yep and it's great because Harrison Ford is saying, like, all you give them is sugar. And Rachel McAdams is saying, like, you know, this is still important work that we're doing. And people love sugar. Like, do you want just bran? Right. And he's eating a donut. Like, he's eating a donut while they're having this conversation about how the news they do is sugar and all this kind of stuff. And I thought it was a great juxtaposition. He's eating the donut, saying sugar is garbage. Like, right. But yet he's still eating it. So that was a good foreshadowing and a, and a good conversation. I, I enjoyed that part. His reaction to the goofiness around him, the faces he makes. Yes. Again, like when when the guy goes on the roller coaster <laughs> yes. and he's just kind yes. of like a stunned face. Yes, yes, yes. Um, or <laughs> I don't know. I I find a lot of these moments very funny. Like the first time he goes on the air with Diane Keaton, yes, plays Colleen Peck, yes, and they just go back and forth saying goodbye, right? Because they right. want to be the last person to say it. 
Well, that's our show for this morning. See you tomorrow, folks. Goodbye. 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 And goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. 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 Yes, and I did. I did like the the straight production elements that they brought to it. And the little things that he said. The one guy who's kind of like conducting the shots. Oh, I love that guy. Yeah, the video that guy's awesome. Yeah, yeah I, all the production elements I really enjoyed because I love that world and and they. I thought they did it right. Like that was fun. So we come to a point. You know, Harrison Ford's ornery this whole time, and then he eventually in one of the planning meetings says, "I have an, a story idea," and everyone's mm-hmm. surprised because he actually cares. So they want to cover a sauerkraut festival, which. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. Like, and there were moments I did laugh. Like, I'll give you that. But he says, I want to cover the sauerkraut festival. And so he goes, and it's actually this big story about some senator or governor and all this cheating he does. And he brings Rachel McAdams along, and they catch it on camera. Uh, yeah, they break the news. Of they the break scandal. the news. Right. So he gets to do what he's wanted to do, break a story, bring validity to the show, ratings skyrocket and all that. And as soon as they capture that, Rachel McAdams and Harrison Ford sit on a bench. He smokes a cigar and they have like a heart to heart. Right. That conversation was, was very nice. Mm-hmm. And up until this point, I was good with his arc going from not caring an ornery to maybe he has a heart. Maybe he actually starts liking Rachel McAdams professionally respects her. Like I liked the arc. Mm-hmm. And immediately after that bench scene, mm-hmm. we see them, Running out of the IBS meeting, Rachel McAdams saying like, hey, we want you to do the story. And Harrison Ford's like, am I your such and such? Like he starts yelling at her, super angry, completely reverts back to the ornery self that he has been. Yes. And I'll be honest, I did not care for that scene. I think it was fantastic. And here's why. (laughs) Okay. I think that it gives you kind of a, a fake climax to the movie or a fake like resolve conflict time. And I think by then going back and having like the, she assumed, like all of us assume when we watch any of these movies, that like he has a moment, he has his time in the sun, and now their relationship is great. And the idea of like, hey, he was really cantankerous and really like the guy describes him as the third worst person in the world. Somehow like now it's going to be great. And she assumes that just like all of us moviegoers do because that's how it works in movies like yeah the bad guy does something nice and then like the relationship's great from then on happily ever after and the fact that in the real world it's not like that like people that are cantankerous and like they sometimes have moments where they shine but like the hurts of his family and his like brash difficult to work with person he like that's still who he is and the idea that it shows like and he even says something like like you thought like we had this this touching moment together and now it's going to be like i'll do whatever you want sort of thing it's almost like it was a a false change because in that moment it was more of him catching the glory of breaking the story and showing that he's worth it to like that he's a valuable reporter and less about him being selfless which what the real end of the movie shows is a selfless part of him of like the beginning of a true heart change and not just them working together and having a win-win situation. I get, I understand all that. I'm not against the fact of him reverting slightly to the extent that he does in that one scene. I don't know if it's an overacting or if it was too far the other direction. I think what happens- Here's the, here's the thing, here's the thing, here's the thing, here's the thing. Okay, 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 okay. Be- okay, because it was just the two of them in that moment. He wasn't performing for anybody. Yes. And from the bench scene, that was also just the two of them. Yes. And so from him to treat her with the respect that he did on the bench yes. to going directly to another one-on-one interaction where he's literally cursing at her and screaming, I didn't believe it. Now, if it was a scene where they were around the planning table with the whole cast and crew and she had said the same thing mm-hmm. and Harrison Ford went back to his ordinary self and saying, not doing that and was just a flat, cold, whatever, I think uh-huh. it would have communicated the same thing it would have shown the same, hey, we're actually uh-huh. not best buds like you think we are, but it would have been more believable than him just ranting and screaming on the sidewalk. Mm-hmm. That's, that was my holdup. Okay. I understand your holdup. I think that when people that are difficult to work with have a vulnerable moment, sometimes they whiplash back because they feel like they've lost the power in their relationship. 
and it can go from a time of being vulnerable to actually fearing the vulnerability you just showed and trying to instead firm up the fact that like I am gaining some control back. Like I almost wish that I hadn't had that touching moment with you on the bench. Right. Because I'm actually uh still hurting as a person. Well, either way, the Today Show offers Rachel McAdams a job. Bit of a stretch. Yeah, a bit of a stretch. <laughs> Oh, throughout this throughout this whole thing, she has to rate or like uh, get the make ratings the ratings up, go up, yeah, or they're yeah. Cl- shutting down the whole show. So right. that's kind of like a conflict in the background, right? Those are the stakes. That's the motivation yes. for her to try so hard. And I think that's what she tells him during that that argument, right after the bench scene. Yes, she, she does. Says, like we're basically like we're toast, right? And he doesn't care because he's making millions of dollars anyway, right? He's like, it's it's I, your butt that's on the line, not mine. Right. I do love the scene where Jeff Goldblum tells Rachel McAdams the Today Show called. I think that's a nice interaction with the two of them. Yes. Again, all the Jeff Goldblum scenes were great. Like him jogging and her like yelling at him, talking about the ratings and how they're up 5%. Like all those moments are good. Yep. So she goes to NBC and is in this interview. And I do enjoy the scene where she's sitting in the interview and the daybreak is on the TV above the executives that she's interviewing with. There's an interaction with Diane Keaton and Harrison Ford where Diane Keaton's like, you ruined everything. Thanks a lot. And you see Harrison Ford contemplate the gravity of his choices. Uh-huh. And then when they go to break, Harrison Ford goes on a tear. Yes. <laughs> through the whole studio. And I'll be honest, I did love, I loved this scene where he's yelling at people like, I need eggs. <laughs> I need eggs. <laughs> I loved all of that. It was great. And then he comes back on the air and he's making a frittata. You want to know how I make a frittata? (laughs) Which I I really enjoyed that. And Rachel McAdams like runs out of the interview, runs across seemingly the entire city of Manhattan. In slow motion. In slow motion with birds like, you know, running through the flocks of birds and they fly away. It's a real John Woo scene. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. I thought that was a little much. But anyway, she shows back up at the studio. And, oh, oh, her boyfriend calls the other news guy when she was still in the interview, and he was like, "He's only going to ask once." Talking about Pomeroy, like he's only going to like this is him asking you to stay, right, and to continue producing the show. Like he's only going to ask once, and so she runs and they lock eyes while he's making the frittata or whatever, and yeah, happily ever after. I've been making frittata for about twenty years now, ever since I was taught how to on a naked weekend with a beautiful Italian movie star who shall, of course, remain nameless. What about the interaction between Harrison Ford and Diane Keaton when they're kind of like making fun of each other, like where they find their groove and bantering is sort of just making fun of each other? I, I enjoyed that as well. That was fun. And that realization that like people love them making fun of each other, I, I like that. Yes. That was good. It was also kind of a nice moment when you see Harrison Ford and Diane Keaton like going into her office together to play Yahtzee or whatever it is they're about to do. <clears throat> you got it. That was nice. So it's, it was nice closure on all fronts, you know. And we also have Rachel McAdams putting her phone in the fridge when she gets home and like focusing on her boyfriend, I guess. You know, so whatever. We don't know his name. We don't know his name. The the Aquaman villain. We You know, it's all, it's all fine. So that's what, I don't know what to say. Like, I don't even know where to go from here? It won me over by the end. Harrison Ford making the frittata was really good, but there was still just a lot of like, yeah, for me. Okay. Does, I'm going to do a couple of reasons why you could have me and you tell me what's like the strongest one. Did you find it? Yes. A, not very funny. B, boring. C, you couldn't find the characters very compelling. Or D, other. Or all of the above. It was not boring. And I did chuckle. It was funny enough for me. I didn't want it to be any funnier. I think... (laughs) I don't want to laugh any more than this. (laughs) This is an adequate amount of laughing. No more, please. Soylent, now. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to like Rachel McAdams more. Like the scene when she fires back at all the 
cast and crew and really Mm -hmm. shows her skills. I wanted more of that. And there were moments of it. And I like, like when she's get him on the roller coaster, can we get a body cam? Like I liked those moments. (laughs) Like we're about to witness the guy have a heart attack. (laughs) Yes. On live air. Those were all, those were all fun moments. And it was the, the moments of romance with her and the other guy. Sure. And some of the other interactions that. That's fair. Took me out. That is very fair. Uh, I also did think it was pretty funny that towards the end of the movie, she like did her hair differently and started wearing makeup as if for some reason breaking that big story. Like everyone was very negative about her bangs at the beginning, which yeah, I didn't like that. Felt a little st- like she is an attractive woman, and they look at her at the beginning like, oh, what a little ugly like field mouse. And I'm like, yeah, I, I didn't like that, guys. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. What, what's going on here? Right, I, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't like that. But anyway, I really wanted to like her way more. So you're thinking like you're saying her character isn't as likable as like she didn't have the same kind of charm that you, we've seen in these other Rachel McAdams movies. Is that what you're saying? I think so. And and like her sincerity and believability in About Time and the Time Traveler's Wife, like 100, percent I'm there. Mm-hmm. You know, I am there for that. And this one, I was 100 percent there for those moments when she was killing it as a producer. And even in some of the interactions with Harrison Ford, but there was so many other moments like that romance stuff. And I don't know, some of those other things like I didn't, didn't get me. She doesn't have as much of the like weepy breaking down parts that she does so well in, uh, in this one, I think because there's has to be sort of a level of a bit of comedy, even in the fights, some of the stuff they yell at each other is like supposed to be like, not like funny, but you know, they're not supposed to drive you down too much, but I really enjoy her subtle acting. Like, for example, in the, like, when she gets fired at the beginning. Mm. And she's kind of got that smile, but her eyes start, like, tearing up a little bit, get a little glossy. Yeah. That breaks my heart. That, I don't know, maybe <laughs> just because I've seen her in these other movies. I don't know if the cachet from these other movies is helping my opinion of her in this one. But I understand. She, yeah. she kind of just plays normal protagonist, I guess. Maybe if she wasn't so bumbling in the romance stuff either, like... For how put together and skilled she could be on the production side of things, and to be so far in the other direction, even in what she's saying. You think, like, relationally, she should be better? Well, even if she's just as awkward, but I feel like some of her lines, like, she has that one line with the guy, like, I don't know if a guy's interested in me until he's, you know, at my house with his clothes off or whatever. Like, whatever. Oh, right, right, right. Like, those kinds of lines that just seem to fall out of her mouth, where she's so good with her words and what she is saying in these production scenes that I didn't believe that she was that fumbling with her words mm. in these romance scenes. You okay, know what I mean? Yeah. And that, uh, yeah, no, I completely, I, I'm, I kind of agree with you there that maybe there were just so much trying to make her like, she's all about work and she's not great with relationships outside of work, but you're right. That kind of loses me because she's so good with the relationships within work the fact that like as soon as she clocks out all of a sudden she's like bumbly and not knowing what to do maybe it was kind of pushed a little extra morning glory has such a wonderful mix of characters and i think that's something that uh, from like a macro perspective that i love about this movie is that she can be a little bumbly and much a lot like you said like works great for me it was too much for you the fact when they put her next to Harrison Ford mm-hmm. and they put her next to like Diane Keaton yeah, yeah. does a ton of work in this movie as like that perfect like on air personality who's like a little bit uh, too much right. off air and a little rude and things like she, she plays mm-hmm. that role perfectly. And like yeah. next to all these other characters, it has such a wonderful mix of outlandish characters that you laugh at normal characters that you would see in everyday life and putting them Mm -hmm. all together in this daybreak quote-unquote family i find that mix really enjoyable the casserole of characters (laughs) i i agree too like i i loved jeff goldblum was in there but he wasn't in there so much and i thought Mm -hmm. the role he played was great casting to have him do that role they had a bunch of like extra people working there who were kind of just blank. They didn't have to all be like super characters. There were some that were just right. like assistants that were just around, which <laughs> I think was fine. Yeah. And I do think, to be clear, I think Rachel McAdams holds her own in this cast of pretty big names, Jeff Goldblum, Harrison Ford. Like I think she holds her own. And maybe I guess my wish is that it was written a little bit differently so she could shine more 
in I think she in what she could do, which would be an excellent job. Like she's a great actress, mm-hmm. and so maybe it's it's that part of it that I was wishing was a little different. But I still I still enjoyed it. I still chuckled. I still thought it was it was good. All right, Nate, I'm gonna make you rate this one first. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> oh boy! So on a scale of zero to five frittatas, frittatas. <laughs> How, Love a good frittata. <laughs> how do you rate Morning Glory? Don't do it. Do not do it. I'm going to give Morning Glory four and a half frittatas. <laughs> I thought you were going to go full five, and I was going to no, be a problem. No, 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 no. Morning Glory is a four and a half for me, Stephen, and here is why. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love this movie. Yes. I don't care who knows it. I will continue to recommend it. It's not a five because of the romance part, like we talked about. If it, maybe if that was removed or replaced by something else, it would creep even closer. <laughs> this is the perfect movie to have on in the evening if you're clearing out your email inbox. <laughs> it's the perfect one to have on on like a rainy Saturday afternoon. You got nothing to do. I just want to put on, I don't know how long this is. Was it like an hour and a half, maybe? It was like an hour 40, something like that, yeah. Okay. It's a great mix of chuckles. It has some like heartfelt moments. Mm-hmm. It showcases great friendship, a great kind of little work family thing. It's fun as far as TV production, like look into it. I really, really enjoy this movie. I think a lot of people either haven't seen it or didn't think much of it. Uh, what movie did we do recently that was kind of fell in the most people forgot? Oh, Passengers. Oh, sure. This is like a rich man's Passengers because like, <laughs> I think it is, I mean, it doesn't have like the crazy interesting concept we talked about with Passengers, but it's one of those that I think it kind of came and went past people's consciousness. I hope that over time it has a little bit more of a resurgence. It's on Amazon Prime as we record mm-hmm. this it's it was listed up there as like a highly viewed by people thing so i don't know if it's getting right. kind of a second life because it's the perfect streaming movie mm-hmm. if you haven't mm-hmm. seen it take a listen yeah i enjoy it four and a half for tatas well i asked my wife to rate this movie upon completing oh, it get, i didn't even hear do you have any thoughts from your wife that she can that you can pass on i assume that she is Harder to please than you in most movies. Accurate. But I w- I'd really love to hear what she thought. She said, I think this is her quote because I wrote it right after she said Perfect. it. Perfect. She said, weird moments, but redeeming. That was her full review. I love it. <laughs> so I actually identify with that. And she went with a whole rating number. And I'm going to match what she said. And she gave it three frittatas. Mm-hmm. Three frittatas. Again, I I agree with you. I think this is a great streaming movie. You could put on up on Amazon Prime. I think it would be a good date movie. Remember when we watched Overboard? <laughs> I try try to forget it, but yes, this is much better than Overboard. Oh my goodness, yes, much better than Overboard. They both have very redeeming ends to them. They do, but this, they, whenever yeah. you talked about this movie, I thought of kind of how you we both talked about overboard but it's better yeah. in every way this is i will give you that it is way better <laughs> than overboard so much so that that guy who's in overboard i don't even know his name mm-hmm. but he is in an upcoming release of dora the explorer the movie i saw that in a trailer and i said no no movie with that guy in it because i'm oh, so scarred I, I, I said yes i said i'm more excited oh, to see man. this because of this guy Ah, well, you can let me know. We'll do a one-sided review on that where you watch it and I'll just ask you questions about it. Perfect. <laughs> All right, well, real quick, we need to do our top. Are we doing a top five or top three? Uh, what are you prepared for? Top three. <laughs> okay, let's do top three. <laughs> I don't, so we're going to do our top three Harrison Ford movies. And this is tough because he's been in, in several series of movies. Mm-hmm. Are we going to do top three Harrison Ford characters or Harrison Ford movies? Because he plays two very iconic characters and has been that character in a lot of movies. And I would... See, I'm not prepared to do favorite Harrison Ford characters. Okay, you're just doing the movies. Do movies. And I, I also put some artificial limits on myself. Namely, only one from the two iconic series. 
So I'm choosing one movie from oh. from the Star Wars universe and one from Indiana Jones universe. Should I put those limits on myself as well? You no, know, no, no, you don't have to. I'm just telling you that's what I did to help explain why <laughs> there's only one of each movie in my top three. So did you have five? You had five? I have, I have as many as you want. <laughs> well, why don't you give me your f- honorable mentions in five and four first? <laughs> okay. Honorable mentions are Air Force One, any of the older Star Warsies? Uh, no, I'm going to go actually the Star, I'm going to go uh, Force Awakens as an honorable mention. Okay. I'm, I'm kind of moving some around. And then I'm going to go Raiders of the Lost Ark as number five. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go The Emperor Strikes Back for number four. Okay. And I'll stop there. Okay. Very good. And those are all great. Yes. I'm going to skew mine also in my enjoyability of the movies as a whole, plus him in it, because I had to do it that way. Because you can. So I will go. I'll, I'll give you my number three. My number three is The Last Crusade with Harrison Ford, Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, I love that movie of the series. I probably like it more than Raiders of the Lost Ark even though I don't remember both of them super clearly, but I I remember the ending of the last crusade and it was amazing. Mm -hmm. I'm going to put that as my number three. Wonderful. My number three is a movie called morning glory. (laughs) I don't know if you've heard of it. I think he's great in it. Okay. Yep. One of the best curmudgeonly, uh, old man performances. Okay. Very good. I'm going to put something in my honorable mentions. I have seen the fugitive at some point in the past. Mm hmm. But I remember next to nothing about it. Got it. Okay. But I know it's, it's supposed to be really good. Yes. And so I'm putting that in my honorable mentions just to have it there. Perfect. You'll hear about it soon. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and all the original Star Wars trilogy also in my honorable mentions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Throwing that out there. Okay. My number two is The Force Awakens. Yeah. It is one of my top Star Wars movies, but I think I also particularly enjoy Harrison Ford in The Force Awakens. That older curmudgeon side that comes out almost as a proxy father figure to Ray and his final scenes with Kylo Ren, I think he does some good acting in that movie. Dare I say even more slash better acting than the original trilogy. I'm with you. I'm with you on that. It's actually, I think his acting is great in that movie. I had Mm -hmm. knocked mine down a little bit just because... Having seen like young Han Solo, it did make me sad that he was old Han Solo. Mm. Like his performance was great, but it actually made me like think of mortality <laughs> in a way. Watching him like, oh, Han Solo's old now. Yeah, fair, fair enough. Well, but but I really like it. So that's, that's my number yep, two. I agree. What's yours? Good choice. My okay. number two is the Fugitive. Okay, very good. He plays Doctor Richard Kimball. Mm. He's looking for the one-armed man. It is very good. Tommy Lee Jones is also very good in that movie. Oh, yes. But The Fugitive is excellent. One day we need to do some Tommy Lee Jones movies. I really like Tommy Lee Jones. Okay, wonderful. Well, yeah, we'll definitely get to that. A quick knock against Harrison Ford. Oh. I don't know how to say this nicely. Okay. But I'm just going to say it because it's a safe place. He's not a great runner <laughs> in movies. Think to the times where he's running. Yeah. He either has to be kind of comical in Indiana Jones at times. He has to like, yeah. but like his serious running, it's like Tom Cruise on one end and uh, Liam Neeson and Taken <laughs> 3 on the other end. And like Tom Hanks. I thought you were going to say Tom Cruise and Tom Hanks. <laughs> Tom, okay, Tom Hanks. Yeah, Tom Hanks up there too. You always get those confused and I love Forrest Gump being in there too. Yeah, exactly. He's kind of running. But ever, if you ever watch... Harrison Ford run, there's kind of the thought of, you don't seem like you can run very fast, or like you don't seem like cool when you run, which I think is why they made Harrison Ford when he's running in Indiana Jones a little bit more of a funny scene. Right. Even in in Star Wars too, like he's getting blasted at by stormtroopers always. Right. Yeah. He's like, he looks good while he's shooting while running. Absolutely. Oh, you ever see him like pumping his arms and running? (laughs) There's something missing there. Love you, Harrison Ford. <laughs> Harrison Ford, comma, running, a thesis by Nate Baranowski. Which 
is ironic that he was in a movie called Blade Runner. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Twenty forty nine. <laughs> we'll do that movie someday. I never finished it. I'd have to finish. I it. didn't start it. <laughs> All right. Well, my number one. This is a very subjective choice because for some reason I watched this movie a ton when I was a teenager. Please tell me it was like Sabrina. No, <laughs> no, but I really loved it. But it was Air Force One. Air Force yep. One is my number one. Him as the president and his espionage and rescuing his family. I don't know. Air Force One. It just, I really liked him in that movie and I watched it a bunch. First R-rated movie I ever watched, Air Force One. Little yeah. trivia. I think it might have been mine too. But that last scene when they're hooking on and like the plane. Get are off my there. plane. <laughs> it was so good. The villain in that movie is really good too. Um, but anyway. I always yeah. get him confused with, which one is that? Is it Hans Gruber is Die Hard? Which one is? <laughs> one of them is played by Severus Snape, Alan Rickman. And one of them is played by Sirius Black, also known as. I don't know. I don't know. Give me your number one. My number one. Last Crusade, Indiana Jones. Uh, okay, very good. Last yes. Crusade. I think you've said in the past, too, it's like your favorite. It's my favorite Indiana Jones. It's my favorite um, Harrison Ford. Very good. The Penitent Man. Well, listeners, let us know your favorite Harrison Ford movies. Let us know what you think of Morning Glory, too. I'd like to, I'd like to crowdsource Please. some reviews of this movie. So comment on the post when it goes up, at Movies on the Side, on Instagram, or Twitter, or Facebook, whichever you like. And, uh, or tell us what you think in a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. You can let us know there. We read those religiously. Trust or do us. a roundhouse kick of a bottle cap. Mm, we'll take that, too. We'll repost it on our Instagram. Absolutely. Level up. Pickleball is basically ping pong meets tennis. It is designed for elderly people. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I thought ping pong was like... <laughs> It is table tennis meets tennis tennis. Okay, very good. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>